Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new edition of the None of Your Business podcast. And today we have a super special guest with us. Super pleased to be joined by the one and only Roger Stone. And now this is a business podcast where we talk about business, marketing, sales, mindset strategies. One of the things that I'm absolutely sure of is that political strategies parlay right into business. And we just got done with a fantastic presentation that you gave. And I want to give our viewers and listeners a brief recap of the things that you were discussing. And you were talking about your experience. I didn't actually know this, that you began actually in the advertising world. Yeah, I started as a, uh, uh, as a direct marketing executive, writing a direct mail copy, a direct response copy, uh, planning campaigns, selecting lists, and conducting testing, and so on. Um, <clears throat> I uh, Obviously, all of the techniques that are used for marketing a business are used to market a presidential candidate. In fact, they were used to market businesses first, and then only later are they used for political candidates. So we had no political television commercials until the middle 60s to speak of. I think there was one for Eisenhower, and that was uh, really primitive. Uh, so the same techniques and the same kind of ground rules which apply, doesn't matter whether you're a Republican or Democrat, they're just, there's uh, rules regarding efficiency and uh, success in communicating that are based on years of marketing studies to see what works and what doesn't. And um, what I was trying to do today was to bring marketing down to the level of small businesses to talk about mediums that they can actually afford. I mean, a, you're running a chiropractic clinic, you're not going to be buying network television. Uh, but the idea of direct response, letters, direct mail, uh, email-based campaigns, um, are, uh, I think, could be very effective for such a business. Now, the irony, of course, is that the rules that guide advertising, good advertising, good marketing, they were originally written in the 60s, and they applied to the technology of the 60s, which was television, newspaper advertising, magazine advertising was very powerful. Uh, all you have to do is take those same rules and fast forward them to the current technology, meaning if you know how to design a, a magazine ad, you know how to design the splash page of a, of a website. Mm -hmm. It's the same concept. Um, and therefore, so much uh, that we know that's based on play, uh, 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 agencies like BBD&O and uh, Ogilvy Mather and all of these legendary uh, advertising firms spent millions of dollars in survey research to determine what works and what doesn't. And those things basically haven't changed. So. In any marketing piece, regardless of the, mad, of the medium, your headline is the most important thing. It's the largest thing. It's got to be the most memorable thing. It can't be too many words, and it can't be too few. Uh, it has to engage the potential customer right off the bat. Um, it's even true in an audio medium of radio. I like radio as an advertising media. I think it's very effective. Um, so I was just trying to show how to utilize marketing strategies for the small business, really. So you've been involved in 
probably numerous, too many to count elections, advising. I don't think I put, could put a number on the elections. I could, I've been in 11 presidential campaigns. So 10 Republicans and one Libertarian. When they it, nominated Mitt Romney, that was a bridge then too you skip far. That one. I had to get out of there. So sometimes the public maybe coming in has a viewpoint that might not be um, yet swayed to the particular candidate. And so we have to move a mind, we have to shift a mindset. Right. Many people in small business, they look out at their communities and they think, well, I just wish people got it. So they always say, I wish people got it. If people <clears throat> got it, more people would want to do business Buy with it. me. Right. How do you approach that politically and how can we apply that in business? Um, the more you tell, the more you sell. You have an obligation, first of all, to have your marketing be interesting, be compelling, be eye-catching, be concise enough to make your points, but long enough to tell your story. It's exactly the same in politics. Um, in politics, although, we have the advantage of an enormous amount of survey research, polling, um, and while everybody in America, uh, particularly in election year, is riveted on the horse race numbers, Smith is ahead of Jones by five points, Trump is leading by, it doesn't matter, that's the number, but that's really not the purpose of polling. The purpose of the polling is to test theoretical arguments to see whether they move people's opinions. So you'll say, for, let's, we'll take the current contest just as an example. Um, if the election were held tomorrow, are you supporting Donald Trump or Joe Biden? Then you'll get a result. Then you'll say, if you learned X about Joe Biden, then you learned Y about Donald Trump, then you learned Z about Joe Biden, then you learned W about Donald Trump. Now you ask the ballot question again and see who moved and why. Uh, and then you find somebody who switches to undecided from one candidate to the other, or from one candidate to the other candidate, and you ask them why. Mm -hmm. And therefore you figure out not only what issues sway people, but how to present it to the people, the wording of how it's presented. Here's the greatest example in the world. The Democrats right now are saying, count every vote. It's a pretty good slogan. Initially, the Republicans are saying, stop the count. Wrong. Hmm. Count every legal vote. Yes. Sloganing. Yes. Uh, was, that, was that a result of polling, do you think? I think it's, in this case, it was just a, a result of common sense. Um, I understand the arguments for stop the vote. You stop the count. You want to stop counting if you believe that illegal ballots are being counted. But count every legal vote says everything you need to say. But it's a positive, not a negative. What about competition? There's got to be times when people are looking out in business and you're like, hey, you know, I have a lot of competition and maybe they're getting under your skin. Is there an appropriate time to take them on? Same thing in politics. When is it appropriate to attack? When is it appropriate to just let the competition sort of flame out? Well, I think part of the answer in both business and politics is, are you ahead or behind? If your competitor is out selling you, then you have no choice but to take them on. People love that kind of comparison advertising. By the way, Popeyes versus Chick-fil-A is one of the most right. brilliant advertising campaigns I've ever seen. It was good for both of them. Absolutely. I'm a Chick-fil-A man myself. Me but, too. <laughs> uh, but it, that's brilliant advertising. Also, people like it because they think 
it's kind of cheeky. You know, in other words, they don't think anybody would ever really do that. Why would McDonald's mention Burger King in their advertising? They're only publicizing the name of their competitor. No, I think people like the, it's kind of an American thing. We like competition. So if you're behind, oh, it's, it's when it's appropriate to attack. What if, what if you're in the lead? Then you want to do what Joe Biden did in the final weeks of this campaign. Say nothing, take no risks, lock down and ride out the clock. But you also talked about how that can sometimes be boring if we do that. It's very dangerous. So, I mean, the best example of this is the 1968 election, which was a three-way race between Richard Nixon trying to make a political comeback, Hubert Humphrey, who was a sitting vice president of the United States, and George Wallace, who was an independent candidate. Nixon led that race with about 47% of the vote, about where he won. In the last three weeks of that campaign, he was still ahead by about six, so he just locked down. He gave the same speech every night at a rally, but there was no news. He took no risks. Well, when you aren't taking risks, when you have nothing to say, or you're saying things you've already said, you're boring the voters. Voters see politics the same way they see entertainment. It's entertainment for them. Well, if candidate A is not interesting, and Candidate B is interesting. He's putting forward proposals and ideas. and People also like the underdog. They love the idea of a guy fighting back from the precipice. That's why I think in this particular race, you saw that danger. Another three weeks, and this would have been uh, an overwhelming victory. Trump came, did come from far behind to catch uh, the other candidate. I would argue to beat him. but. Certainly to a, uh, you know, a photo finish, any way you, you, you uh, designate it. There's two reasons for that. First of all, the, the running out the clock strategy, sitting on a lead, is inherently boring. Uh, and it, uh, Biden already had certain intensity problems among his supporters anyway. Um, the other problem uh, of, of it is that if you think about that last debate, um, Biden said, we're, you know, America's headed to a dark winter. Mm. Americans are optimists. Trump was out saying America's greatest days are ahead. People like the scrappier underdog. They don't like status quo, and they certainly don't like gloom and doom. Jimmy Carter said, you know, we just have to accept that America's greatest days are over. We've got to tighten our belts. You can't get fuel oil, buy a sweater. Americans hated that. Yeah. They just don't, because we're Americans. We think anything is possible. But we've seen the great destiny of the country. So optimism always beats pessimism. Uh, in this case, I'm not saying that that wasn't the correct strategy based on their polling and their situation and the fact that they had a candidate who couldn't talk. Uh, but you weren't going to constrain Trump anyway. He was going to have his rallies. He was, Trump is very Trumpian, as you may have noticed, and he loves campaigning. It's a, it's a great roadshow, because he's funny, he's deprecating, he gets off the scripting, goes in these weird cul-de-sacs, but people love it. And he also had the, the problem that you had virtually all of the polls showing Biden ahead, in some cases substantially ahead. Uh, unlike others, I don't attack those pollsters and say that they all did it purposely, that these were cooked phony polls. Some were, definitely. Others, in all honesty, the pollsters just made methodological mistakes in their sampling because they, they incorrectly 
assumed who would be voting in the election. Let's face it, if you're in the polling business, the one thing you don't want to be is wrong because then no one hires you two years later. So, um, but the, just the, the narrative of the, of the underdog fighting uh, back from the precipice, running a sunny, optimistic uh, campaign is far more interesting than the guy saying, oh, we're going to lock down and hide in the basement and you're going to have to wear these masks for four years. <laughs> so you said that the, the strategy, though, is to not to move an individual from one candidate to another. Likewise, in business, that the strategy was to move somebody's desire from one candidate to the undecided bucket. And then and to your then move over. Well, it's just, it's just the natural way people think. They don't say, um, oh, you know, I bought a Buick and I didn't like it, so maybe next time my new car will be a Ford. First, they think about it. They say, well, I don't like the Buick. Maybe I'll buy a Ford. I'm undecided. Then they buy the Ford, okay? What we've seen traditionally is that voters, consumers, the same way, mm -hmm. they don't move from one product directly to the other. It's a process. That's why, in essence, all polls, by the time you get to read them, they're already obsolete. People have already substantially changed their views mm. back and forth. Uh, that's why polling is, is kind of like the crack cocaine of presidential politics. Everybody you know, <laughs> wants to read it, but it, it's not as meaningful as people think it is. And in this election, I think it, the whole industry took a huge hit. So is the job of the marketer or in the, pol in the pol political world to move the opponents into the undecided well, bucket, just, and how do we just, do that? It's just a natural recognition of, of what we believe is the natural thought process. Uh, so the point, of course, is if you're trying to get some of your competitors' customers, don't expect them to come all at once. They're going to come over time, and it may take several different arguments to get them to you from your competitors. But the arguments are designed to move the consumer away from the com competitor first to undecided do we do that by casting doubt? Uh, you, you do it um, by using third-party testimonials that your product is better or your services are better, I should say. You, you use it by stressing the, uh, uh, the credibility of what you're selling, the services you're selling, over your competitor. That could be the training of, the, uh, of your personnel, or it could be an award won by somebody who works for you, or it could be a monograph one of the, I mean, you just you want to add credibility like i said today if i were running a chiropractic clinic i would say licensed by the state of maryland well of course they are <laughs> but it sounds good because it's not you saying it's a great it's mm -hmm. the state of maryland saying that your employees are great absolutely or that they're qualified we're going to cut the none of your business podcast right there we're going to jump over into the Black Diamond Club. We're going to dive deep with Roger with a few more thoughts relative to what's going on today and what we need to be doing to prepare ourselves over the next four years. If you're not yet a member of the Black Diamond Club, be sure to join us, www.blackdiamondclub.com. That's where you get all of the exclusive content from all of our guests here on the None of Your Business podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back again with a brand new edition of the None of Your Business podcast next week.